is the gratitude session, 2014, talk four. His apologies to Naomi Shahab Nye. This is her poem entitled Kindness. I've changed it slightly. Before you know what generosity really is, you must lose things. Feel the future dissolve in a moment, like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all this must go. So you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of generosity. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop. The passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of generosity, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know generosity as the deepest thing inside, you must also know loss as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with loss. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all losses and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only generosity that makes sense anymore, only generosity that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and to purchase bread. Only generosity that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you've been looking for, and then goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. The fundamental teaching of all of Buddhism is Sila Samadhi Prajna, impermanence, no self, and dukkha. All of which are based in awareness. Whether we're looking at impermanence, whether we're looking at ethical living, whether we're looking at the emptiness of self, whether we're looking at generosity and kindness, whether we're looking at the Eightfold Path, whether we're looking at our common humanity, whether we're looking at this world, which is both a mixture of craziness and wonder. It's all based on awareness. And at this stage of a session, our awareness is now more clear, more stable. Clear and, clear and stable is a relative state. Because as our awareness stabilizes, as our mind becomes calmer, <clears throat> the chaos of earlier times diminishes. But if the judgmental mind is still judging, evaluating, then our new state of mind is always inadequate. If you're going to judge, and all of us tend to, the best judgment to make is, am I doing my best? Am I being alert? And the best answer is, well, I'm not, but I will do my best. I will be alert. 
And then in this moment, not regarding what happened in the previous moment, in this moment we do our best. In this moment we stay alert. Now, now. There's no good to regret what's already passed. The Buddha, at the end of his life, when he was 80, he didn't have long to live. His mind was serene, but his body was tired and sick. He was dying. And he was <clears throat> uh, laying somewhere. And a young person came up to him, came up to Nanda, his attendant, said, I want to talk to the Buddha. I want to ask him a question. And Ananda, trying to shelter the Buddha, trying to protect him in his you know, final, final hours even, uh, turned him away. You know, basically, lots of senior people who probably could have answered his questions. But the Buddha happened to overhear this. And he said, no, let him come in, let him come in. Now, here is a young person who had one opportunity to ask the Buddha a question, to ask the Buddha, to connect with the Buddha. One vital moment. And like lots of people, he blew it. Uh, he said, I'd like to find out whether those other teachers out there really are enlightened or not. The Buddha, of course, has one moment to give a vital answer. And so he says, well, that's not an important question. Don't worry about that. What is really important is, are you, do you want to be liberated? What is the nature of your mind right now? Each time we have a one opportunity to meet one situation. Situations come along only once. Even those of us who have been to hundreds of session, each session is different, and each session may be our last, may be our only. And so the important question is, what am I doing right now? What's important right now? <clears throat> what is the most fruitful thing right now? And sometimes in our short-sightedness, we say the most fruitful thing right now would be for me to go unconscious. The most fruitful thing right now is for me just to go to sleep and let it all go. But when we really look at, the, at our life, we think of all the times we've gone to sleep. We think of all the times that we have been unconscious. Those aren't the times we remember with great appreciation. Remember with appreciation all the times we were engaged, all the times we, we rose up to the challenge when we became involved. And in the same way it is, each time we come to a period of zazen, am I alert? Am I present? Am I doing my best? And if we are alert, if we are present, if in this moment we're doing our best, again, this is not a judgment of what we did last moment, if right now we're doing our best, we never regret that. I am sure that all of us, if we look back at our life, we said, boy, I really did my best and I'm sorry I did it. I really did my best and you know, I wish I hadn't. 
me. It, it isn't the way the mind works. So we come to Sishen. Our minds are chaotic, worries, to-do lists, problems, worry about future pleasures, all those things. We're not really so aware. And it's like someone, like we're driving the car, we're trying to eat, listen to the radio, and argue with our partner, and worried about we have enough gas, and we're late for an appointment, and we have a stomachache all at the same time, which all of us have done, some version of that. Well, the probability of getting into an accident is, of course, much higher. The likelihood of getting a lot in loss is, of course, much higher. But the probability of actually seeing the scenery and seeing what's going on and driving safely is much, much, much lower. So we come to Sishin and we turn off the radio, we stop arguing, we get some gas, we consult the map, we call ahead to say we'll be a few minutes late, and we relax, and then we can begin to see the scenery that's right here, right now. We can do our very best to see what's right here, right now. Because all of the, much of the chaos that we have brought is beginning to dissipate, dissipate. The judgmental mind, as long as it's active, is always, always, always judging. And it always judges, most of the time, negatively. So that's the place that we have to be right now in Sishen. We let go of the grasping mind. We let go of the mind that just says, I want, I want, I want. The grasping mind, the clinging mind, is the antithesis of generosity. And it's a big obstacle to practice. So I want somebody else. I want more. I want something different. I want something better. I want something sharper and faster and more pleasant and clearer and wiser. All the things we think we will like more. All the things we think will make us happier. Lots of research about people's projections about what's going to make them happier, what they think will make them happier. And they have them all write, write them all down and you know, evaluate them. And then they ask them six months later, did that really make you happier or not? And by and large, all those things did not make people any happier because the dissatisfied mind we carry with us everywhere. And so we carry the dissatisfied mind into all those future future states. It is very important that we have direction and aim in our life. So grasping does not mean we don't have an aim. So we calm our minds down. We are in this present moment. We have the, we have the aim, the aim in this particular tradition we happen to call awakening, awakening to the truth of this very moment. This is what William Stafford says, the poet. The way it is. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change. But it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. You have to explain about the thread. But it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen. People get hurt or die. And you suffer and get old. Nothing can you, you can do can stop time's unfolding. Yet you don't ever let go of the thread. So we have a destination. We have a thread 
that we were following and going to Toronto. It's nice to know the destination. If you're driving to Toronto, it's good to have that in mind. But each block, each city street that we pass does not involve Toronto. It involves that city street, that car we avoid, that line we stay in, that accident we avoid in Portland. Knowing we will go to see the Washington Monument, and there might be some interesting things to see in DC, has nothing to do with the scenery along the way. So the scenery along the way is found breath by breath by breath. Our desire, the desire, the best desire to have is the desire to know this breath. To know it intimately. Now what happens is as we begin to, to get interested in something, we look at it more and more closely. Dan Brown says it's like you're looking at a, a picture. When you get interested in the picture, you go up close to the picture. You look at it more closely. And when you look at something more closely, details emerge. You begin to see things that you didn't see at first glance. We all have been through, probably all of us have been to art galleries. You see hundreds of pictures. And at some point, some picture catches your attention. And you really rest with it for a while. You appreciate it. You look at it. You don't have to analyze it. You just simply gaze at it and then it looks more interesting. You begin to see the depth of mind the artist painted it with. The same thing is true with our breath. This is what a Korean son, a Korean Zen teacher, a woman named Dai Huang, my inadequate pronunciation. She just died a few years ago, and she was a, uh, a Korean a woman who had deep awakening experience, deep awakening into the nature of her own mind. And she lived uh, out in the woods for a number of years. And it, from the outside, it, people thought she was a very great ascetic. But she just said afterwards, she said, I was just so interested. I was so interested in the nature of my mind that I wasn't concerned with anything else. And she became a extreme, an extremely well-known uh, Dharma teacher and had um, whole series of places that she taught practice. She was very interested in teaching both ordained people and lay people. This is what she says. Again, I'm changing the title of this is the essence of mind. But mind, I feel like it's not a good word for us modern Westerners. We can tend to think of it as the intellectual mind. I mean, even though we, it's, it's people say something, say it's not that, still our basic default association is that. So I think awareness is the best way to use it, awareness. So the essence of awareness. What is awareness? <clears throat> awareness is the foundation of the universe, the foundation of the sun, the foundation through which human beings manage all and do all other things in their daily lives. Awareness is the omniscient and omnipotent creator that makes everything and transcends all concepts.
Are you aware? Of course. Awareness does not have a color, a shape, a location, a beginning, or an end. So right now you can look and and just see. Just check it out for yourself. Awareness, your awareness, the awareness that you have right this minute, does not have a color. It's obvious. It can be aware of colors. It does not have a shape. It's not found in a box, but it can be aware of shapes. It does not have a location. It's not in our nose or our toes, not in our chin. It's not in our left cerebral cortex. It's not in our cerebellum. It's not in our fingers. And yet it can be aware of all locations. It does not have a beginning. It has, you've been aware your entire life, and yet it can be aware of beginnings. Nor does it have an end. In a way, we can be aware of endings. Awareness cannot said, be said to be this or that, inside or outside. Awareness cannot be divided, cannot be absorbed, and cannot be destroyed. Awareness transcends time, it transcends space, it transcends everything. So she is talking about our fundamental way of being, our fundamental truth, the truth of awareness. Many people would say, you're not broken. And this is what it means. You have this most foundational truth is the essence of your being, whole and complete, lacking nothing. There is mind inside of awareness, the fundamental awareness, which from the very beginning is absolutely clean, can never be stained, and is just as it is. There is the discriminating mind, which causes us to pass through the cycle of life and death. It doesn't know about the existence of the fundamental awareness, and thinks that the ever-changing defilements and delusions are its essence. For the sake of explanation, we can talk about two different types of mind, awareness and the intellectual mind. But in actuality, they're not separate, because to be aware of the intellectual mind takes awareness. People's state of consciousness exists at many different levels, according to the thoughts they give rise to. But underlying all of this is the inherent fundamental awareness that is never created and never disappears. You have to find this awareness inside of your mind. Awareness is always complete as it is, and so it shines forth like the sun. Awareness is never hindered by anything. It is always just as it is. Inwardly and outwardly, its ability is unlimited. There is no one and no thing that can take it away or destroy it. No matter how powerful a spirit, no matter how great a Buddha, neither one can destroy your fundamental awareness. Although the sun is very bright and the universe inconceivably vast, you are not, great, you are not greater than the light and the ability of your own awareness. They are not greater and the light and the ability of your own awareness. It is our awareness that's aware of the sun, the moon, 
the dark. It's aware of comings and goings. It's aware of birth and death. It's aware of this and that. And each of us is fully endowed with this awareness. It's not good awareness or bad awareness. It is just awareness. All realms and all universes are connected together to the same fundamental awareness. Thus everything shares the same body, the same life, and works together as one, and shares all things together. That is, awareness is not my awareness. My awareness does not belong to me. It's not just found in this little thing. Awareness is aware of this little thing. And awareness is just awareness. And at the level of awareness, we are all share the same awareness. It has no this or that. It has no me or you. It's just awareness. And as soon as we step back and step into awareness, we are one with the awareness of all the Buddhas, all the great teachers. All the realms and all universes are connected together to the same fundamental awareness. Everything shares the same body, the same life, and works together as one, and shares all things together. Awareness can freely come and go without any hindrance, even over distances of thousands or millions of miles. Ultimately, everything and everyone in the universe is harmoniously living together, sharing the same root of awareness. We tend to think of awareness as somehow being mine, or somehow being in my little head, or somehow being this. But when we actually step into awareness, step into awareness, and we're not just kind of in our own little body-mind, which is the discriminating mind. We're not in our own little body-mind trying to look at awareness. When we actually step into awareness itself, there's only one awareness. And that's part, that, that reversal is part of what we call awakening. It's not about getting something else. It's simply becoming completely absorbed and aware of awareness. The nature of awareness is like a clear, unstained mirror. When something is in front of such a mirror, the mirror reflects every single aspect of the image clearly. But if the object disappears, no trace of it remains on the mirror. Likewise, although mind reflects every single thing, no ripples or stains remain. Although, excuse me, likewise, although awareness reflects every single thing, no ripples or stains remain. Without understanding this aspect of awareness, people paint all kinds of pictures in the mirror, one on top of the other, and end up causing themselves all sorts of hardships. However, if we return to our inherent nature, which is our most true and natural state, and the true reality of everything is automatically revealed. No matter how dark clouds may be, they cannot stain the sky. Similarly, bad thoughts or intentions cannot stain your fundamental awareness. Even if dark clouds are very thick, eventually they'll disappear, and the sky will be blue and clear as it was before. Even if storm clouds pour rain down, the sky is only covered behind the clouds. It remains clear and bright. In the same way, even though defilements and delusions may seem very thick, true awareness remains clear and bright and is never stained. 
Awareness has no hindrance. Inherently, every direction is wide open. Nor are there impregnable silver mountains or iron walls that you have to penetrate. But if awareness has no inherent hindrances, why is it said that there is something you have to overcome? Because through your thoughts, you have built up a wall that blocks you. You must understand the nature of awareness. Although awareness is intangible, it functions equally and thoroughly throughout all material and non-material realms. Once you realize this, you'll understand that there never was any hindrance in the first place. So we're practicing, and we have our particular method, not fundamentally to get something else, not so that we have, um, we're working hard to get our degree. In a way, we're practicing with the method to clear away, to let go of, let go of is the better word, to turn away from all of the obsessive, repeating, repetitive, dark thoughts that we have. All the thoughts we have of better and worse and inadequate, all the thoughts we have of getting and losing, to turn away from those. And we use the method that we have as a way of stabilizing our awareness, as a way of helping us become aware of awareness. Now, awareness is not a thing. Because awareness is not a thing, it's not something that you can say, I am now aware of awareness, the thing. We have to be aware of awareness in the context of life. So we're hearing sounds right now, but we can be aware of aware of the of sound. We can because we have sound, we can be aware. Because we have bodies, we can be aware. Because we have challenges, we can be aware. Because we have right and wrong, left and right, we can be aware. So we use the method that we have. We focus the mind, we concentrate the mind, we settle the mind so that we can realize, so that we are no longer trying to drive and eat and listen to the radio and look at the scenery and argue with our partner and worry about being late, worry about gas, but instead we use the method to let go of all those things so we can then see the scenery that's always present. She continues. In trust and let go of everything. The wall of fixed ideas. Letting go means letting go not only of our distressing and unpleasant things, but also every idea, every kind of fixed idea. We carry around so many fixed ideas, such as you and me, good and bad. You have made all these fixed ideas. And as long as you cling to them, it's impossible for you to become one with your true nature. It's impossible for you to become aware of awareness. The worst prison in the world is the prison of thought. 
The most difficult wall in the world to overcome is the wall of fixed ideas. The most difficult wall in the world to overcome is the wall of fixed ideas, fixed beliefs. Part of what's so difficult about it is we, they are so deeply and inherently part of our view that we can't step outside of them to see them. That we actually, sometimes only when some chunk has dropped away or we've let go of something, we look back and think, boy, I sure was stuck there. Boy, I sure was sure was bound by that idea, by that notion. It really isn't, wasn't important at all. But we can't actually see that until we actually can step back from a fixed idea. So when we're doing our practice, we're sitting and we're feeling the breath or whatever your particular practice is, without a fixed idea of what we're trying to see, how we're trying to see it, what we should be seeing, and we're just simply, simply, simply seeing Simply, simply being with the practice, being with the breath, being with the awareness right there. We're no, we're no longer embedded in those fixed ideas. Now, it involves being intensely involved with the method, intensely involved, <clears throat> or kind of half-heartedly involved, it doesn't work. But if we're intensely involved, we're intensely involved with seeing things as they are, being one with things as they are, then our habitual view, which is the box that we're always in, is not so relevant. And we actually can take a step outside of it, drop it. Because we've been using a particular method very assiduously. Thus, from a certain perspective, spiritual practice means freeing yourself from some, such prisons of thought, of thought. Thus, if you keep thinking, I'm just an unenlightened being, then because of that thought, you cannot play any other role other than that of an unenlightened being. Let me just read that again. Thus, if you keep thinking, I'm just an unenlightened being, you can fill in the gap with, put unenlightened, your favorite term in. I'm just a fat person. I'm just an inadequate person. I'm just a broken person. I'm just a mediocre practitioner. I'm just an average person. I'm just fill in the gap, whatever you want to fill in the gap with. Thus, if you keep thinking, I'm just a person, being, then because of that thought, you cannot play any other role than the role that you keep telling yourself about. Be very aware of the great difference a single thought can make, a single fixed view that we keep repeating to ourselves, a single story. Don't make a big deal about other people's level of spiritual development. And that includes the Buddhas and all the great ancestors. If you discriminate between higher and lower, you will not be able to make progress in your own practice. Even though you may totally know about awareness, about this fundamental truth, do not give rise to the thought that you know. Even though you may have a more sophisticated understanding, or you may have greater maturity, do not think that you're more mature or have a sophisticated understanding. Even though someone else may be ignorant, you should not let yourself be caught by thoughts like that. From our small-minded viewpoint, 
everything may clearly seem right or wrong. However, from the combined viewpoint of awareness, in past, present, and future, all those are found in awareness and cannot easily be decided right or wrong. So as we are continuing with this session, we have made a scale of progress. Everyone's mind has stabilized. People have had many different levels of insight. Everything is okay. We're at this particular phase of a session, and this particular phase of a session has such and such a nature. It's okay. Nothing's amiss. And if we don't keep judging, we don't keep saying good or bad, good or bad, made it, don't made it, have it, got it, don't have it, all this stuff, we really keep putting that aside and come back and come back and come back. And the session will unfold very naturally, very genuinely. And the root of generosity, the root of generosity, which is the fullness of this moment, which is the fullness of our life, is revealed to us. People aren't generous because they feel like um, they, they are lacking. And when we really see the fullness of our life, generosity is not so hard. We really see the fullness of our life, gratitude, appreciation, thanksgiving, is easy. We have this one life to live. We have this one moment to experience. We have this one time. Please go forward with gratitude, go forward with appreciation, go forward with a generous spirit. And all this is what we talk about when we say deep faith. Have deep faith in this fundamental, <clears throat> in this foundation of your own being. Please, have confidence. Have confidence.